0: The publishers actually um, appreciate us um, talking to them, at least here in Germany, do want obviously to, that we spend or we buy the inventory from them and not the open market.
1: Curate has a, a fully featured um, self-serve UI. It's easy for buyers to, to manage a whole catalog of multi-seller deals so they can build out that curated marketplace um, which implements the, the supply strategy as I was, as I was saying.
2: I think control can mean lots of things to to lots of people. Ultimately, if if we're looking about who benefits from it, really it's it's the advertiser, it's the person putting the money into the, the supply chain in the first place.
3: Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Programmatic Advisory Podcast where we're going to be talking about curated marketplaces. Today, I'm joined by Christina Craig, who is the Director of Investment and Accountability at Omnicom Media Group, James Bird, who's a Product Manager from Xander, and James Deber, who is a Cloud Operations Director from the Programmatic Advisory. Earlier this year, TPA released a Buyer's Guide to Creation with Xander, and this podcast is to talk through the major themes from that guide, the guide is available to download on theprogrammaticadvisory.com. But anyway, I hope that you enjoy this special episode of the Programmatic Advisory Podcast. Hey, Christina, James and James, welcome to the TPA Podcast. Great to have you here and to chat about curated marketplaces. Uh, let's get straight into it. Um... I guess like creative marketplaces have been a buzzword in programmatic um particularly this year i've seen way more hype in trade press and uh, way more people talking about them um why do you think that is and james deba why don't we start with you
2: yeah sure um i think there's really a multitude of reasons why um Mm -hmm. And really timing has played a big part in it as well. It's created almost a bit of a perfect storm. So first thing that sort of I see as as a reason why Creative Marketplace has become a a buzzword is um, that supply in general has been quite an untapped area um, for a lot of advertisers and agencies um, to be able to create competitive advantage around. Um, So by that, I mean, I think for a long time the focus was really on optimising audience targeting, bid prices, et cetera, with actually not that much focus on the actual supply that they're buying beyond the use of, say, inclusion or exclusion lists. And so by utilising creative marketplaces to take more control of the supply, I think advertisers and agencies are seeing that they can deliver better outcomes, ultimately, for their clients. I think the second reason is that we're still seeing the impact of the PwC and Isbar study um, into the programmatic supply chain. So I think what that really highlighted, you know, beyond some of the, the numbers and the discrepancies, et cetera, what it really highlighted is the complexity and the inefficiencies. So again, advertisers in particular really want to address those concerns um, and understand who are they working with, why they're working with them, et cetera. And then I think, you know, thirdly is sort of other market wide factors. So we think about the reduction of cookies, increases in privacy regulations, et cetera. What we're seeing is that people want closer relationships again with publishers, um, and publishers want to get closer to advertisers as well. And so by doing that, they can start to create these, you know, trusted relationships with their key publishers, access more trusted supply, overlay targeting, utilize consented for publishers' first-party data. And so all of these sort of things have come together at the same time. And then if you also throw into the mix, you know, continued findings around fraud, brand suitability, um, and even in, you know, emerging channels now increasingly, you start to understand why advertisers and agencies actually want to use creative marketplaces i think there's a a bunch of reasons that have really come together um and creative marketplaces can solve for a lot of those challenges
3: that's great and it feels like we've moved from buzzword and might become a big thing into it is becoming a big thing and the technology is there now as well to enable Mm. these marketplaces um and i guess james bird it'd be good if we can talk to Xander launched their curated marketplace offering, Xander Curate, earlier this year. Um, so, what does a what does that do, or a curated marketplace in general? Like, what do you think it brings for a buyer?
1: Um, so, I think I mean when we built Xander Curate, we set out to address three key problems um, for for media buyers uh, that, that we were hearing about. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the first of those was really the, the difficulties around managing an overly complex supply chain. You know, trading teams need to purchase the right inventory uh, along the right supply path, but they take on a, a pretty big operational burden to do that, particularly when they use multiple DSPs to traffic their campaigns. Um, you know, making sure you've configured the right domain list, uh, the right uh, third-party exchanges, et cetera. um, It's time-consuming and, and it can be error-prone. Um, the second problem we were hearing about um, was around transparency along the supply chain. Uh, so teams uh, were saying they were struggling to get transparency into media spend, um, despite the fact that various platforms along the supply chain um, were offering um, some levels of transparency. Uh, but crucially, like very often, they'd be using different terminology. So uh, it was really hard to consolidate and, and reconcile that, that data um, so that it could be used to make informed decisions, which is really what the buyers care about. And finally, the third problem um, was around executing their supply strategy. So, you know, we've seen media buyers put in a lot of hard work to to develop supply strategies. Um, They've built them over over time, very often um, using uh, their inventory insights, uh, their relationships with sellers, um, a lot of operational expertise as as well. But very often, those supply strategies um, just live in a big Excel spreadsheet uh, and they're not actually. Uh, implemented in the buyers' ad tech stack um, in a way that makes it easy for for trading teams to, to benefit from them. Um, and so we, we built Zonda Curate as a tool for media buyers to to make their own curated marketplaces, which solve for for these these problems. Um, you know, using Curate, uh, buyers can make multi-seller deals, um, which package up inventory from the uh, from the exchange according to their targeting criteria. Um, be that sourced from uh, the open market or from from seller deals. Uh, And they can then issue these multi-seller deals, uh, 20 DSP, for their trading teams to to buy against. And because Curate has a a fully featured um, self-serve UI, it's easy for buyers to to manage a whole catalog uh, of multi-seller deals so they can build out that curated marketplace, um, which implements the the supply strategy, as I was was saying. Um, And when you've got, you know, campaign delivery being centralized through uh, the curated marketplace, uh, it's easy to run a single report to understand how media spend is flowing through your marketplace uh, and gain transparency insights. So, I mean, I definitely second um, a, 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 the points that, that James was making earlier. I think there's a whole host of kind of industry problems uh, that the buyers are facing that curated marketplaces uh, help to solve for. Um, but I think those are the, the three kind of top of mind problems that, that we focused on when we built curate and, and some of the, the core benefits for customers that we see.
3: That's great. And um, when you mentioned about managing deals in spreadsheets, I was sort of nodding my head, takes me back (laughs) to to how things have been done and often still are done. Um, And Christina, I guess from your perspective, whenever programmatic comes up with new innovation, it can be met with, oh, it's another thing I've got to get my head around by either internal stakeholders or brands and others. So I'd really like to get your perspective on how do you how do you kind of explain a creative marketplace to to clients or or internal stakeholders who maybe don't really know much about them?
0: Well, I think um, James has already mentioned the word transparency. I think that's a key word that we use um, with our clients, at least that we actually control the open market better. I think the Open market has a lot of issues and um, a lot of brand safety issues, um, especially. And so um, for our clients or for us buyers, it's important that we know who we're buying from. And um, the DSPs that we work with, as, at least, don't always have the ability to tell us who the sellers are. Um, we work with Ads TXT, but um, that's also either you buy a reseller or you don't. Um, We do have to buy some resellers um, in order to get the reach. So it's really um, controlling the open market. Um, Curate Marketplaces has helped us to pick and choose which seller we um, want to include and um, make, have still the reach um, for our clients.
3: Cool, that's great. Um, And in August, Uh, we launched a uh, white paper with Xander about curation and specifically aimed at a a guide for buyers to use. And we identified kind of four use cases for a curated marketplace. Um, So it'd be good now to dig into those four. Um, And So the four are auction packages, deal management, access to first-party data, and control over the supply chain. Um, I guess if we start with auction packages, um, James Bird, would you mind explaining what an auction package is and kind of who benefits from it? Sure.
1: Uh, so an auction package is a, a multi-seller deal um, offered by an SSP, um, which packages up inventory from, from their exchange according to some broad targeting criteria. Um, so, for example, uh, an SSP might offer an auction package that contains in-stream video inventory, from EMEA, um, maybe with a completion rate above 80%, let's say. And uh, they're really useful for for media buyers because um, they help take more control over their open market buying. And as as Christina said, the the open market can be be challenging sometimes, Um, but they allow more control over the open market without necessarily having to set up lots of deals with sellers, which is really the the primary alternative to get some, some more control. Um, They also, of course, simplify campaign trafficking for traders because a lot of the targeting is built into the auction package uh, and doesn't need to be configured in the the DSP. Um, If I put my product manager hat on for just a second and and zoom out a little bit though, um, I think there's a a broader benefit too. Um, If you think about uh, like the ad tech chain from publisher to SSP to to DSP, um, it's on the publisher side. the the most detailed information about the impression exists and as you move along the chain and that impression has to flow through uh, multiple pipes using standardized uh, protocols a lot of that nuance and detailed information gets lost Um, and what that means is on the DSP side uh, traders often can't benefit from the detailed information that existed um, because it's no longer available to them and uh, auction packages uh, are really a way to kind of bridge that gap Um, because the SSP is close to the publisher and has a lot of insights about the impression as well. Um, Auction packages are a way of surfacing some of that detailed information uh, to DSPs um, using dealers like a a kind of a convenient vehicle in some ways. Um, So if I go back to that example, you know, um, Zondo calculates a predicted viewability rate and completion rate for every impression. Um, But not all DSPs necessarily listen to that signal or make it available to traders. Um, But we can provide auction packages uh, that contain video inventory with completion rates above 80%, for example, um, and conveniently provide them through an auction package to to a trader on any DSP.
3: Yeah, I I find this so interesting how the sort of targeting responsibility sits not necessarily on on the buyer itself, and that's interesting, I think, for a few reasons, but primarily is um, an SSP would have access to a lot more impressions to see what's happening in the marketplace versus, say, one appetizer on one DSP. So actually like leveraging that knowledge and intel for the buyer, I mean, that, that's huge rather than just having to just use your own buy-side tactics all the time. So I think that this as a, a use case in itself is uh, – it's just a, a change in how buyers need to think about. I think I think these things.
1: Absolutely, and I think one of the things that's called out in in the guide is is how these use cases aren't. Um, it's not a one or the other decision, and very often they're and they could be used in, in complementary ways, um, depending on the objectives that the trader has or what they're trying to achieve, and the time available sometimes as well. You know that that's another criteria to take into account. But um, there are lots of useful different tools at the trader's disposal to be, to be considered for sure.
3: Awesome. Um, just moving on to the, the next use case, um, James Deaver this time, um, deal management, what is it and how do buyers benefit?
2: Yeah, I suppose it's sort of a build on the auction packages, right? So instead of having these deals where you're transacting across lots of different publishers, um, we're moving into the realms of more forging more direct and relevant partnerships with publishers. Um, so we sort of see it as a build on the auction package. So it could be that particular publishers are working well within an auction package or within the open marketplace buying that, that a trader might be running or, or an advertiser might be running. And so they want to create a closer relationship with the publisher. Um, but what that does mean is that, you know, it can create this additional complexity in terms of having lots of different deals running um, across lots of different publishers with different criteria objectives formats etc and so that can get quite messy quite quickly um, and having somewhere that you can sort of centralize uh, these deals and create almost like a, a library of deals which is easily managed um, across one uh, ssp becomes a lot easier for a trader um, in terms of having that centralized location. And so really it benefits both sides of the equation, right? Because as a buyer, you can utilize better curated deals, uh, overlay publishers' first-party data for targeting, create better campaign performance. And for the publisher, they get a closer relationship with the budget holders, which is what every publisher really wants at the end of the day. Um, And they can provide value back as well because they can start to optimize deals, work more closely with the trader to understand what is it that they're trying to achieve with this particular deal and make sure that they can optimize on their end as well. Um, And so both sides really benefit from it, Um, but it does require that kind of extra time to set up versus Know, potentially an auction package so it's, it's more of a I suppose a, an advancement on from the auction package um a bit more sophisticated but requires a, a bit more time and, and resource um to get it correct and, and kind of working as efficiently as possible
3: okay great that makes total sense thank you um it's come up a couple of times already around publisher first party data and how a curated marketplace can kind of enable the access to that um christina would you mind kind of just explaining publisher first party data and kind of who benefits from being able to access it
0: sure as we all know the um, third party cookie um, is almost dead so the first party um, data is really important for us as buyers to have a Definitely a better performance because that's always been the benefit of programmatic is having um, some data targeting, um, finding the right user at the right place at the right time. So we do rely on data, um, but um, the first party data for sure is important when the third party cookie is gone. We can still get the audience that we um trying to reach even you know if we don't have the cookies um to do so if the publisher um gives us the data through the marketplace or through the deal
3: because yeah that's really interesting um because the mindset kind of has shifted from where in a third-party cookie world the buyer just collected all the data it's available in the dsp targets and segments happy days but now with the kind of reduction of third-party cookies buyers now need to go to publishers to go okay what data do you have that we can use and and how do we kind of you know a curated marketplace can enable that um it'd be great to get your perspective on how those talks with publishers kind of go like what's their perspective what do they think
0: um yeah the publishers actually um appreciate us um talking to them at least here in germany do want obviously to that we spend or we buy the inventory from them and not the open market. So we do have a very close relationship with our publishers here in Germany, and uh, do talk to them on a on a uh, regular basis. They are very open to give us the data within a deal um, if they of course, have that type of data. So what we do is we actually find the publishers that for that particular, audience group um, may have some interesting data and work with them to then curate them in one bigger deal with other publishers that do have.
3: That's great and um, interestingly when programmatic started I didn't think I'd need to have a conversation with the publisher but feels like got a bit full circle again and we uh, we're back talking and collaborating between both buy and sell side because that's how you know outcomes etc are achieved um, and that leads on to, I guess, the final use case, which is kind of control over the supply chain. Um, James Deber, kind of, can you explain that and kind of who benefits from that control?
2: Yeah, it's. I think control can mean lots of things to to lots of people. Um, ultimately, uh, if, if we're looking about who benefits from it, really, it's it's the advertiser. It's the person putting the money into the. The supply chain in the first place um they are kind of set to benefit the most but ultimately i think you know if we have an efficient and effective supply chain that where everybody in that supply chain justifies their cost and they add value then actually that should benefit everybody um, and create you know a longevity to to that working relationship um so really it's about getting to a place where you have an optimized supply chain basically um, but also you know when we talk about control as i said it can mean lots of things so it could be economic control um, it could be quality control in terms of the inventory that's being bought so you know is it brand suitable is it brand safe is it viewable and then also the insights that we can gain from it as well um because you know to christina's point if People are building these relationships with publishers again and, and going back to you know dealing directly with publishers then can we gain better insights from that can we can they give us their insights about what they know about their users and their readers um, that we can use to optimize our campaigns as well um, so there's lots of ways of thinking about control and to achieve total control i.e Full end-to-end transparency of the supply chain is actually really, really difficult, um, because you know every impression is different. So you need to understand the path to purchase for every impression. There can be different auction dynamics. There could be contractual arrangements between publishers and different SSPs. So to actually understand that on an impression-by-impression basis requires. degree of technology and it's you know it's very sophisticated it's it's definitely a long term or should be the end goal for every advertiser but i think there's definitely sort of checkpoints that you can go through when you're on that journey to you know achieve control bit by bit so that could be something like negotiating commercial arrangements directly with ssps rather than relying on um the the agreements that, say, a a DSP may have with an SSP or an SSP with a publisher. Um, It could be ensuring that you've got full domain visibility or a view on brand suitability or brand safety. It could be ensuring that you're investing into responsible or trusted partners only. So, you know, really being selective about the partners that you work with and the publishers that you work with. And then all the way through, as I said, to that full end-to-end transparency. And, you know, we're already seeing that the most sophisticated advertisers are are on this journey, you know, they're they're tackling it already. Um, But even the likes of, you know, the the big pharma companies, et cetera, who are very vocal about transparency, they're still finding it really difficult to get this total control. And I think what's important to think about, or keep in mind as you are going through the process is, you know, if people aren't willing to engage in those conversations and have open conversations about transparency, you really want to be questioning the motives or what it is that, you know, they're they're hiding ultimately. Because as I said, I think if everybody is open and transparent, then we create a much better, uh, efficient and effective supply chain. And so that should benefit everybody.
3: Yeah, well, 100% agree with that. And I think it's been mentioned a couple of times, but for the listener, I think it is important that supply in itself is vast. Billions of ad impressions, multiple routes, all have different kind of data points maybe attached to them. So it can seem overwhelming and complex. However, I think it's been mentioned a few times, just break that down into practical like, you know, where to where to start. And I think the four use cases that we identified in the white paper around um, auction packages, deal management, the access to first party data, and ultimately control over the supply chain. Kind of just, as you say, James Steve, kind of work your way through those potentially and just mm-hmm. find bits that make sense for you. Um I guess but, um, oh, sorry, James, but you go ahead.
1: So when I was just gonna say um really agree with uh, James steve's points there around um trying to figure out what does control mean for the, the, the media buyer has been a really important question to, to ask. And I think one of the challenges we've seen with creating marketplaces as customers have been adopting them is that they, they can seem overwhelming, you know, to a point, Wayne, like there's a, there's a ton of opportunities and different ways to talk about creating a, a creative marketplace um, and having a really clear idea of what objectives are most important at the beginning does help. And it's almost one of those things where you kind of need to start at the end, like imagining yourself Pitching a curated marketplace to um, a, an internal stakeholder or a marketer, and like, what's what's the pitch for the curated marketplace? That what that will often distill the objective that you have, and, and that's what you need to start with to make sure it's kind of on on the rails from the beginning, I suppose.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost counterintuitive, but totally get what you're saying. Um, and I guess, Christina, you've kind of been on the curated marketplace journey and where's your focus been like what use cases have you started to kind of focus on really
0: we definitely focused on the supply path optimization but as james said it's a very very complicated lot of information where every impression is unique and um in every campaign, it could be a different reason why that impression is not going through. So the troubleshooting there has been like very cumbersome and you do need a degree or like some math uh, genius who (laughs) actually can run all that um, log data level data, whatever. It's very difficult, Um, but we've tried. And um, I think we do have a a good uh, system in place also, the deal management, of course, is very important to us. We do want to have that relationship with the publishers. We do want to know where the impression is coming from. Um, there's just too much bad stuff going on that is not suitable for our clients and advertisers. And so we do want to make sure that the Internet is safe for them um, and that they don't run, you know, on some sites or even the formats. Like when you talk video um like that's always been an issue as well, like what kind of quality the video player has. And that's all something that we can manage if we do have the relationship with the publisher, with the deal set up, and also with the curation and um, the marketplaces. And as James Bird said too, like we um, can actually set up the deals on the, um, in the platform, to have all the the targetings that we usually would set in the dsp on that deal already so the troubleshooting there is also more manageable because it's not a black box where we don't know why the bidder is not bidding on something um, because it could be the visibility it could be the price it could be the audience it could be so many reasons that's already taken out of the equation
3: got you that's great and then whilst you've been on this journey what's the the process for like the actual implementation been like like i imagine you've had to get a few different stakeholders from different teams involved um it's a sort of newish way of doing things how's that been like if you know the listeners are thinking oh i want to get involved and start a creative marketplace like how has it been sort of you know day-to-day sort of setting it up
0: It's been quite a process. We have a few people on the team that actually works with um, marketplaces. It was getting the publishers to, you know, on board to to actually give their inventory, to curate the the inventory. Um, Also, um, to get the internal um, stakeholders, as you said, on board to um, give them the... The advantages of buying curated inventory and yeah giving them all the information that is um, needed around to make a good case for the for the client to actually make that decision
3: that's great and how about um james bird i know you've seen multiple clients kind of implement creative marketplaces um what what are the things that have been good like what do you recognize yeah this is going well and like what are the kind of things you look for
1: um I think maybe going back to to the previous point we were discussing around um, identifying a clear objective at the start, uh, I think one of the things we find really uh, really satisfying is seeing customers uh, build out a curated marketplace that gives them a kind of competitive advantage. Um, perhaps you know their their focus is around um, brand safety or media representation or, or cost control, but they're able to you know build out a creative marketplace that encapsulates that and um that becomes a really compelling value proposition uh, for the, the the end advertisers that, that, that they're working with uh, and i think that's been one of the the kind of most encouraging things we've, we've seen is the kind of creative marketplace as a tool to build these new kind of um value propositions and, uh, and offers
3: great yeah it's, it's definitely a very exciting and uh different way i think of buyers thinking about supplies we've gone through today. Um, I guess a question for everybody is, what's the future of the creative marketplace? Uh, And Christina, I'll start with you if that's okay.
0: Sure, I think um, it will become um, more valuable to um, the clients, to the advertisers, because the open market is so vast and, in order to reach goals um, that the advertiser is setting um, you sometimes you need the, the vast mass of inventory and for that marketplace is great also. Um, one big thing is you uh, can actually increase your working media because you're shortening the, the chain, so there's no resellers or not as many resellers in between you control how many or who you have in that in that auction so um i think that's also of value for our customers our clients
3: that's great and james bird how about you what's the what's the future hold for curated marketplaces
1: uh, I mean, it's easy to pile onto the, the identity bandwagon at the moment, um, but I do think curated marketplaces will become a solution for some of the challenges that the buyers are going to face with the changing identity landscape. Um, I don't think, you know, they're going to be a, a turnkey solution, but they have some unique advantages that, that are really, that make a really valuable toolbox, I suppose, for media buyers to use. Um, so if we think about targeting, for example, you know, there are there are lots of interesting solutions at, at different stages of, maturity at the moment, which will help buyers continue um, to target their audiences. Um, Industry identifiers, a good example, or kind of sophisticated contextual solutions where we can make a contextual target that's modeled up for an audience. Uh, And I'm certain many more will emerge um, uh, discovered by people who are much smarter than me. Uh, But if we zoom out again, like with all of these solutions, um, what we usually have is some kind of like unique targeting asset that needs to be um, made available at scale. And Curated Marketplace is a great tool for for doing that um, because you can incorporate that unique targeting asset into your curated marketplace, lay it over the the ad exchange uh, and surface it via a multi-seller deal to uh, 20 DSP. Um, And the counterpoint to targeting is, of course, measurement. Um, I think it's gonna be much harder for buyers to, to precisely measure uh, the performance of a campaign on a user-by-user basis like they, like they have done in the past. Um, and instead, uh, as we're already seeing, um, buyers are gonna need to use models to, to measure the, the, the uplift they've, they've achieved. Um, and for any of these models to be really effective, they need to use lots of signals, really as, as many signals uh, as there are uh, available. Um, and that could be you know, visits to the marketers website, uh, maybe visits to physical stores, uh, it could be social media engagement, a whole host of things Kind of that, that could be folded into the, the model. Uh, if a marketer has centralized or the buyer has centralized their um, campaign delivery to a creative marketplace, even if multiple DSPs were used to, to traffic the campaigns, um, it makes it much easier to pull out a single data set that represents all of the kind of digital advertising activity. And then you just have that data set to match against um the others uh, to complement with uh website visits or physical store visits um so thinking of a curated marketplace as kind of like a, a tool for modeling um in terms of data uh, i think is also going to be uh, of, of interest in the future
3: awesome and uh, last but not least uh, james deeber how about you what do you think the future holds for curated marketplaces
2: yeah i, I just sort of build on on both those points from
3: christina and james really
2: i think um they'll continue to, to grow um, we'll see more advertisers looking at how they can use them the benefits they'll add for them etc um and i think with that will come developments in capabilities within marketplaces and um, the way that you know, to, to James's point, the way that we can start to utilize different ID solutions from different vendors across different publishers, et cetera. Um, and so I think they'll grow in sophistication. I think You know, coming back to what I mentioned at the very start was that for a long time, we focused on optimization within a DSP uh, and didn't focus too much on on the supply itself. And I think we'll see sort of a shift to how we think about optimizing supply and how curated marketplaces can really help us to do that to an even further degree than we have possible right now. Um, And ultimately, I think by having these closer relationships because we're going through such a period of change at the moment, having close relationships means that you can deploy things quicker as well. So you can test with select vendors, your close publishers, the people that you have these direct and trusted relationships with. It becomes quicker to test and, and get things out um, into to market more efficiently and more effectively as well. So really kind of a, you know, a bunch of reasons why. But I, I, I sort of see that curated marketplaces will just continue to, to grow in the future as well.
3: Right. Yeah, it sounds like it's a very sort of exciting time and a, a growth opportunity. Um, I guess the final questions for you, James Bird. Um, for those listening, kind of, what's the next step for them who, if they want to explore kind of the creative marketplaces and the benefits of it?
1: Sure. Uh, so overall. Um... We usually see kind of four main steps um, the the customers go through as they start to explore curated marketplaces further. Um, the first is to, as we've been saying in, in previously, um, identify what you want to get out of the the curated marketplace. Um, you know which are the use cases that we've talked about today are most interesting, um, and uh, and like we said, setting a kind of clear objective at the start really pays dividends um, for the rest of the the, the project. Uh, The second step is to establish who you want to partner with to build out um, the Curated Marketplace. Um, And when you go through, you know, an RFP process, it's it's good to consider if the partner has the the supply coverage you need, the tools, the expertise, um, service models uh, that that would allow you to build the Curated Marketplace with the objective that you you set. Uh, The third is to work with that chosen partner to understand the supply that's available. Um, and bring that supply into your marketplace. And, you know, as James Deber uh, was saying just now, um, close relationships with sellers um, are a really valuable tool for for deployment here. Uh, and in that third step, we definitely see them have a, have a really significant impact on the uh, the speed with which uh, a curated marketplace can, can be deployed. Uh, so we'll consider them a really valuable asset obviously in, in this step. Um, and the fourth and the final one is really to, um, optimize your creative marketplace once it's been created uh really like regardless of the use case the, the that you're looking at um they're not a, a set and forget solution um, they do need to be monitored uh they do need to be optimized over time uh, and that's a really ongoing and a really exciting process in fact to like continue nurturing and evolving that creative marketplace uh, so it continues to drive value
3: that's awesome i feel like we've covered a lot today And it's been great to get everyone's perspectives from different sides of the industry. So yeah, I just want to say thank you very much for being guests on the podcasts and look forward to seeing you all soon. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for the special episode of the Programmatic Advisory Podcast. I really enjoyed chatting with Christina, James and James to get their perspectives on curated marketplaces. I really hope that you're walking away from this podcast understanding what they are a bit more their use cases, and how to get started with them. Anyway, until next time, stay safe.